Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They're excited to introduce their all-new RateShield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, RateShield approval is a real game-changer. Here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate up for 90 days while you shop. But here's the crucial part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, July 27th, and we're talking tech earnings. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by senior tech specialist, Evan New. Evan, I appreciate you hopping on, even with all of the house troubles you're currently dealing with over in Colorado. Yeah, we got some thunderstorms kind of flooded my basement, but always make time for the podcast. Yeah, and I think our listeners appreciate it. Plenty for us to be covering this week. Uh, Facebook earnings, probably one of the biggest stories in the market. I think we're going to touch on that first, and then we're going to get over to Spotify's earnings as well. It's a company we've been covering over the last couple months. So, looking at Facebook, this company posted the largest single-day market cap loss in stock market history. Investors erased roughly $120 billion in market cap from Facebook this week post-earnings. Evan, you have any idea what the next closest single-day loss was? I don't. I'm going to take a complete guess and say Microsoft, maybe in the 90s or early 2000s or something. You are not far off. Uh, based on my research, Intel lost $90 billion in a single day in September of 2000, right, ar- right around when the tech bubble popped. But I believe Microsoft might have been in the top five for that conversation. So you're sure, in- it had to be a tech company at the bubble pop. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're <laughs> in the right wheelhouse. Um, but that is all to say that the types of losses that we saw with Facebook earlier this week have not been seen in quite some time. Uh, and, and I think it was surprising for a lot of people. You look at the numbers, and it's pretty apparent why investors sold off the stock. The company beat expectations for their bottom line, but that's pretty much it. Right. So, I mean, also, I mean, I think one thing to put that drop into context is that stock was just was trading these levels in May. So, like that that number sounds really scary and huge, and it is huge. But you know, the stock has been going up for the past couple of months. So, I mean, we're just back to where we were in May. So, it's not as if Facebook is back down to like some crazy low level. Um, I mean, they're still a very large, very profitable company. <laughs> yeah, I think in the wake of Cambridge Analytica news and the immediate aftermath. Um, to present or just before earnings, the company was up forty percent, and so that gives you a little bit of an idea that the, of what the stock went on in terms of a run prior to these results. Um, of course, a lot of expectations baked in. Maybe a lot of people thinking that they were kind of out of the the rough part of some of the scandals facing the company. Um, it turns out they still have to report good earnings to keep investors happy, and that's not quite what happened here. Right. So, I mean, the, I thought the numbers were pretty good for the quarter, or the second quarter at least. Uh, revenue was up 42% to 13.2 billion. Uh, mobile ads, 91% of ad revenue, roughly where you know consistent where, where it's been trending, and also same as where it was the quarter before. But uh, costs are rising faster than revenue, so costs were up 50%. So you know the natural result there is your operating income, your net income, everything gets squeezed uh, because you know the company has been really investing. You know because of these scandals, uh, they've been. Kind of be very upfront that hey we th- we're going to be investing a lot more in safety and security, and you know that includes hiring tons and tons of people to kind of really and, and you know investing in the AI and the algorithms to kind of be proactively you know fighting some of this you know bad content, and that's naturally going to put a, a, a you know, cramp on profitability 
Um, and, and that's what we're seeing play out. Yeah, and and you're seeing that play out a little bit this quarter, but really looking forward, that's where things start to change pretty dramatically for this business. Why don't we talk a little bit about what the company was expecting going forward? Because I think that that's kind of what caused this massive sell-off. We have some revenue guidance that is a pretty big departure from where the company has historically been. So, past quarter, you said 42% growth year over year. That was down seven percentage points from Q1. On the conference call, though, CFO Dave Weiner told analysts, our total revenue growth rates will continue to decelerate in the second half of 2018, and we expect our revenue growth rates to decline by high single-digit percentages from prior quarters sequentially in both Q3 and Q4. There's a lot to unpack in that statement there, but basically, the year-over-year growth from Q3 is going to be somewhere in the mid to low 30s, and the growth for Q4 is going to be somewhere in the mid-20s as a percentage. That is a huge slowdown from the 40 to 50% we've been seeing. Right, and that's kind of what's what's getting investors. In the meantime, their guidance is also you know same thing, uh, predicting uh, costs to continue rising uh, going forward as well, and to the point where you know the net result is you know when when it was like you know operating margins are probably going to trend towards this kind of mid 30s range over the next couple of years, and you know in comparison, operating margin last quarter was 44 percent. So if we're talking about a roughly 10 percentage point. Drop in operating margin. That's a pretty huge dip in profitability, and that's a lot of what's kind of you know scaring investors right now is because this company has been in heavy growth mode, pumping out profits like crazy, and now all of a sudden both growth is going to slow down quite a bit and profitability is taking a big hit. And you have some of that kind of scariness looking forward. I think some people were a little concerned about what was going on in the user side as well for the current quarter, and maybe what that foretells about coming quarters as well. Um, you know, for Facebook, North American market and the European market are the big ad markets. Uh, that's where their most lucrative users are. North American DAUs were flat at 185 million, and they've been relatively flat for I think the past couple quarters. The market is pretty saturated. Here in North America, you know, this is where Facebook was introduced, and this is where most people first came on to Facebook. That's not a huge surprise. But what we saw in Europe was DAUs and MAUs decline for the first time ever. And this is something that we probably could have expected a little bit because Europe rolled out the global data protection regulation um, during the period. But at the same time, um, you don't ever want to see a dip from your most lucrative ad markets. Right. So, I mean, on the last call, on the first quarter report, they, you know, they were very clear that, hey, we're, we're expecting user slowdown because there's been, you know, GDPR basically introduces a bunch of different hurdles uh, that you need to you know, agree to with acknowledging your privacy rights and all these things. It's just kind of small hurdles, but when you're talking about a user base this big, the, those things do impact the numbers. And, and that's what we're seeing manifest here you know, with the user numbers going down. And just to kind of put this more into perspective, how important these two markets are, I mean, Europe and North America combined are, are about 30% of the global user base, but they represent over 70% of all revenue. So, I mean, these markets are just so important to the business. So, any, you know, really concern you have here, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's warranted to kind of freak out when you have, you know, any concerns here. Yeah, and, and the company is just going to look a little bit different on its financial statements than people have gotten used to. I think a lot of the moves that they're making Totally makes sense. You know the the big spends, the big ramp up in expenses that we're seeing. Some of that is tied to infrastructure. 
Some of that is tied to the safety, security, privacy measures that they want to make sure are in place. Um, and actually, one thing that doesn't quite work into the conversation as much as you might expect is the impact of currency. So, Facebook has been very lucky, I think, in the past year or so. A currency has been a pretty good tailwind for them. Uh, in this most recent quarter, currency exchanges contributed over $300 million to revenue. I think in past quarters, it was even $500 million in revenue. Uh, they have projected that moving forward, they aren't going to benefit as much from that, and it might become a headwind. So you have all of these things that have, for a very long time, benefited the company, kind of slowly coming around, and they they could just kind of have to address them. Right, and I mean, I don't know why they don't hedge their currency more, anyways. But that's a topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> um, taking all of this into consideration, and kind of looking at Facebook, you own shares of Facebook, right, Evan? Yes, I do, and as do I. Um, you know, we're happy to talk about it because it's a stock we own. We're very uh, interested in it, and we're investors. How are you thinking about this business right now? I'm still fine with it. I, I actually consider think that this could be end up being a buying opportunity. I mean, we've seen this play out in the past. Where I mean, like Facebook has literally been talking about you know ad revenue slowing down for like the better part of two years. So like, I don't understand why all of a sudden this is like catching everyone by surprise, and. I mean, they talked a little bit about how they're, you know, they've been really pushing the stories format that they copied from Snapchat. And it's very popular among users to, you know, put these, you know, stories, sequential videos and photos and captions, all this stuff. But for, for Facebook, they can't monetize them as well. And they're still trying to figure that out. But yeah, I mean, the, the bigger picture is they've been warning about all these different ways that the business could slow down for, like, again, over a year, maybe two years. So, why is this so surprising now? And I mean, they just put 40% growth. That's hardly like a bad <laughs> growth rate. And yeah, I mean, you don't want to see them slow down, but I don't, I, I'm not surprised by it. Like they've been trying to do, you know, provide visibility and, you know, maybe they could have done a better job, but I don't know. I'm not too worried about it in the long term, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, Facebook is still so massive, so influential and necessary to large swaths of the global population that I mean, they, not to say they don't have problems. They obviously have many problems with execution they need to be fixing, which is what they're doing. So it's, I, I, in my opinion, it's the right thing to do in the long run. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm with you. I think that um, maybe Facebook kind of had this problem that Apple had for a little while, where management was doing the right thing in sounding the alarm and saying, you know, growth is going to slow down. You know, I remember there was a period where Apple was extremely conservative in the guidance that they were providing, and then would just blow it out of the water every single time. And you do that enough, the analysts on the street are going to stop listening to your warnings about revenue slowing down. And, and I think this is kind of what happened, where when it finally happened, it caught a lot of people by surprise, even though it's something management had been talking about for quite some time. Um, I, I think that there's also some element of Facebook It's kind of interesting now, where you look at their valuation, and this is a company that if you look simply on a PE basis, seems pretty cheap. They they trade right around market multiple. I think it's about 25, 26 on a PE basis. You look at them on a price to sales basis, and they trade at roughly 10 times sales, um, which is actually quite above fellow mega tech company Alphabet. And so you think about the dynamics for this business going forward. Well, they're going to get pinched a little bit more with their costs. Not as much money is going to be going down to their bottom line. And for them to be cheap on a PE basis um, isn't quite the quill in in its. Uh, uh, I don't even remember what the expression is that I was going to say there, but it, it isn't quite the um, the benefit that it has been in the past. So so I can see why people are a little worried about that. Um, there's this journalist 
uh, at Bloomberg, Sarah Fryer, and she wrote a piece and it went on this kind of like Twitter thread. And she said, you know, the easy days of growth for Facebook are over. And, and I think that she kind of nails it with that. You know, what we've seen over the past five years is them monetize the North American market, the European market, and enjoy a lot of growth in developing markets. Um, but really, all the financial performance has been from increasing impressions and benefiting from really great ad rate increases on their platform. Uh, it's going to get a little tougher for them in the next couple quarters. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad business, though. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, they've, they've kind of already picked the low-hanging fruit, but they have so many levers to pull, particularly on the Instagram side. There's like a million things they can do and, and are doing on Instagram that's, that are really promising as a business. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's like it, it won't be as easy going forward, but that's not to say they run out of options. And they do have those other one billion user properties that are just beginning to get monetized. You know, we have we have Messenger and we have WhatsApp. Uh, as a user, just anecdotally, I have seen ads beginning to come onto Messenger, uh, and so you can see them starting to tinker there. Um, those are levers that have kind of largely gone unpulled for them, and could be you know pretty good growth ramps for them down the road. Yeah, exactly. Like they have so many things that you know they can really explore, and I think one challenge will be like picking the right ones and focusing on them as opposed to getting distracted and chasing too many. But yeah, overall, I'm not worried about it. I'm honestly considering buying more shares, um, but we'll see. Yeah, I think the conversation and the attitude is pretty similar to the way we felt when we talked about them back in April, where it was, you know, I still like the core business. You know, like ad rates are still going up on the platform. Like they are showing advertisers that their money is well spent there and more people want to put money there. And ultimately, that's what matters if you're an ad based platform. There are some other things they need to figure out along the way. But if they're going to be growing at 20%, that's pretty good for a business this size. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk Spotify earnings on the second half of the show. Before we get over to that, though, support for industry focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Let's talk about buying a home for a minute. Because of rising interest rates, there's a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home these days. It causes a lot of anxiety with folks. Well, our friends at Quicken Loans are doing something about that. They're calling it the power buying process. Here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. Then, once you're verified, you'll qualify for their all-new exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, they'll lock your rate in for up to 90 days while you shop. And here's the best part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, Evan, uh, we are switching gears from a company that we both own to a company that you own, and I am a user of, uh, and that is Spotify. Um, you've been following this company for quite some time. They've been in the news recently. There's a lot going on in the past quarter. Um, what really stood out to you with this report? What were you interested in? So it was interesting because you know their, their losses are really widening, um, you know, for for a couple of reasons. But uh, investors were were pretty much okay with it because their user numbers are, are just continuing to be really strong. And this is you know one of the biggest music streaming platforms on earth. 
know, I, I believe second only to Tencent Music, which we can you know, touch on later, but much larger than Apple Music, about twice as large now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. Uh, total revenue jumped 26% to 1.3 billion euros, which is about $1.5 billion. Uh, gross ma- margin expanded a little bit on a sequential basis. Uh, costs are continuing to rise. They, they've had a couple of one-time items this quarter because this is the quarter in which they went public. And anytime you go public, you have all these different you know, triggers, all these recognition things with your stock-based compensation. Uh, so, I mean, those are one-time things, though, so I'm not too worried about them. They also had um, some fees associated with their direct listing. Again, just a one-time event and just kind of par for the course when you go public. So nothing too surprising there. Um, overall, they had a net loss of about 394 million euros, about $459 million, which is more than double uh, from a year ago. So yeah, the bottom line didn't look too great. <laughs> <laughs> so the financial story here then is revenue growth, but widening losses. Um, much like Facebook, this is a business where the user counts matter. Uh, what's going on there? Right. So the good news is that they, you know, the user numbers continue to look very strong. Uh, they have 83 million premium subscribers, 101 million free ad-supported monthly active users. Total monthly active users is 180 million, and it's tr- those numbers don't actually add up. And I asked uh, Spotify's investor relations department uh, to clarify. My suspicion was that there's premium subscribers that are inactive. And they confirmed that is what that difference is. So that over time, that's something that will be interesting to track because obviously, if you have premium subscribers that are inactive, that's not a good thing because there's a good chance those people will cancel. And I, I, I you know, went back and looked at the historical numbers, and it's not too big. It's, it's they actually restated some of the numbers, but it's like you know one, you know, just one percent. You know, it's only a, a few million uh, people, so it's not really a huge concern. But if that number started to rise. Uh, that would be kind of something to keep an eye out for because obviously you want people to be engaged in the platform. But overall, I mean, uh, very healthy. I mean, compare in comparison, Apple Music has about 40 million paid subscribers. So they're you know, roughly twice as big as Apple in terms of paid subscribers. So it's pretty strong there. Something that has gotten quite a bit of press recently with Spotify is its direct licensing efforts. And this is them, I think, exercising some of the app optionality that we noticed that they have as a business. Uh, when we did our prospectus show, when we looked through their S1, we talked about how they you know, are establishing themselves in the music space, and that might give them the flexibility to do some kind of interesting th- things. Right. So, you know, there have been some reports lately how they're, they're, trying, they're approaching these kind of small independent artists and inking direct licensing deals, essentially cutting out the record labels for those artists and you know, basically, you know, paying these these artists direct royalties, uh, and it, what that does is that reduces their their royalty costs because their royalty burden is is really huge and it's their biggest cost by far. So if you can, you know, to the extent that you can, if you can cut out these record labels and get just get the artists directly on Spotify, that has the potential to save you quite a bit of money. I mean, not not a ton because in the grand scheme of things, a lot of the usage of Spotify will still likely be concentrated on these kind of mainstream artists that will always want to go through the labels. But, I mean, every little bit helps. you know. And, and it's just kind of an interesting strategy more long-term where when they went public, they had they really kind of laid out this vision of they're building like a two-sided marketplace where they're you know, helping fans connect with artists and they're helping artists connect with fans. And they're in the middle and they're providing creative tools, um, analytics, all sorts of stuff to the artists. On the user side, they're providing you know, content discovery and, and allowing people to connect more directly. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on there, and there's nothing like this is really out there right now, particularly at this scale. You mentioned Tencent Music earlier. Um, what did you want to bring into that for this conversation? 
So the interesting thing is they they did a um, Spotify and Tencent Music did an equity swap back in December. So Spotify actually owns nine percent of Tencent Music, it's, which is Tencent's music subsidiary, and they're planning on going public uh, pretty soon. And if and Tencent Music is humongous, I forget the numbers, but they they're they're actually much larger than Spotify. So the fact that they have this partnership and investment with them, they can also learn from them. Uh, for one, but if Tencent goes public, Spotify will probably get a big boost. And they, I mean, they actually said this directly in, in their report that they would have a, a quote significant gain on their investment uh, if and when Tencent Music goes public, and that would you know actually push them into profitability <laughs> uh, during the quarter, which if and when that occurs. But you know, they're 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 very clear, like don't expect that to be a, a regular thing because we'll probably go back to losing money. <laughs> So just a short-term uh, blip in profitability, right? Uh, and I mean, it would be interesting in general if Tencent Music went public because it, it gives investors more more public data points on this business. Because you know, there's not a whole lot of pure play music streaming companies out there that are public sharing this type of data, other than Spotify. I mean, Apple's Apple doesn't share this kind of data, um, and you know, streaming is really where the music industry is heading. So the more information you can get on on this industry as it evolves, the better and the you know the more informed investment decisions you can make too. So, Spotify investors should be rooting for a healthy ten cent uh, music IPO, huh? Right. <laughs> uh, anything else before I let you go, Evan? Um, I mean, I think the they, they're they're really executing well uh, on in terms of their ARPU and churn. I mean, average revenue per user continues to go down, but at the same time, that's because of you know they're having more family plans, more student plans. And those plans have you know, much higher retention rates, so churn continues to go down a lot as well. So in the long term, I think that's still the right call to make because you're you're giving up a little bit of money up front, but you're you're really keeping these users along for in the long term, which provides your business, which is a subscription business. You know, you get a lot more visibility, you get more recurring revenue. It's just much more stable that way. So they're they're just continuing executing on that front. Uh, the trends are all kind of in line with what we've seen over the past two years, but I just think they're doing a really good job there too. Yeah. Any music recommendations for folks after they finish this show and want something to bring them into the weekend? <laughs> I can't think of anything. Austin Morgan, man behind the glass, what have you been listening to lately? I think my most played Pandora station right now is Run the Jewels Radio. Oh, all right. Not the most family-friendly. Not family-friendly, <laughs> no, but very good for the gym. Yeah, so if you're listening with kids, do not listen to Run the Jewels. Do not listen to that. Yeah, same goes. I've been listening to the new music from Chance the Rapper and the new collab that good. Kid Cudi and Kanye put out. And excellent. But Not a big Kanye fan, but I like the rest of them. Hey, you know, to each their own. I, I, don't, I don't love the guy, but he makes amazing music. Um, but like Run the Jewels, you should not listen to it with children in the room. It's, it's good gym music, though. Uh, on that note, I'm going to wrap this show. Evan, thanks for hopping on. Thanks for having me. Well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at pool.com or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows over at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and fool on.